everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we are back with another episode. Um, who knows where it will lead? We've got all sorts of topics to cover and jump around to, so we're just going to kind of let the muses take us and uh, follow our uh, mental inclinations. So, Bill, do you have any idea where we should start today? I do. Actually, I have, um, in in typical me fashion i have uh though a little late to the party maybe a lot late to the party i have uh somewhat of a new obsession over the last week or so um and that weirdly is the lord of the rings living card game that just came to an end technically last year but i i think it's actually just they're calling it a hiatus but nobody expects it to really go any farther right so um so i bought two uh, at this point, I have two of the uh, the intro packs, the the box. Uh, what are they called? You know, the intro box sets, the core core yeah, sets. Yeah, core sets. There you go. And uh, and I have all six of the adventure packs for the first cycle. I have the deluxe expansion and all six of the adventure packs for the second and third cycles as well. Oh, so wow. I have yeah, and I I just went totally ape shit on it, and I have so much of it that I'm not even a hundred percent sure what I'm looking at because <laughs> I've obviously gotten into it and I've read a lot about it and I've I've done my research and uh, everything, but uh, I still have a lot lot to learn about it. But it's fascinating because I've been watching Lord of the Rings again too. Okay. Because I love Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And it's actually Larry that got me into it. Larry's like the biggest Lord of the Rings nerd in the whole universe. Oh, is he really? Uh, I didn't know that. He's he's even read like as uh, the Cimmerillion or whatever. Yeah. The, yep. the like the the history book, the one that everyone's like, okay, it's the unreadable Tolkien book and he's yeah. read it like three times. <laughs> yeah. Lore. Yeah. Loves yeah, he loves that shit. He's like, Yeah, it's a history book. I'm like weird but okay um and like i know a lot about lord of the rings like i'll i'll enter some some fun trivia tournaments on that but uh but nothing on him and uh he he got into it right before i moved here to kentucky a few months ago and um he wanted something he could solo and then maybe something that he and i could play over octagon um and uh i went back to visit Obviously, you know this because I saw you uh, yes, last week. I was there, and um, and we were playing it there, two player. And I'm like, oh my god, I love this so much. And so I just went to town with my Amazon Visa card, and um, <laughs> and that so will does... take some time. But yeah, know. yeah, no, that's all, that's going to be an exciting. So, do you have someone to play it with? currently or do you are just hoping to develop that or are you just going to kind of solo go it to mess around with it well i'm i'm soloing it for now uh two-handed um which uh is what i'm kind of reading is is sort of the sweet spot um yeah some people solo it three-handed some people just solo it single-handed and it scales really well because uh one of the things that it does when it turns over encounters initially uh in your scenario it turns over however many cards there are players so um so it actually scales really well and that like if you just have you're just doing one-handed with three heroes you just turn one card but if you're doing two-handed where you have six heroes you do two cards so it, it actually it kind of incrementally 
uh, ramps up in difficulty and, and it is hard. Like right. it's yeah. really hard. Like I think it's harder than having played lots of Arkham Horror the card game. I think it's it's tougher than Arkham Horror. Really, well, that is saying something because uh, that is a tough game. I've played yeah, this there's... once, and I had so Kevin's our friend Kevin is really into this game, and yeah, yeah. Um, I was able to play, Kevin kind of introed it to me once, and I really liked it. But it was also like I was already down the Arkham Horror rabbit hole at the moment <laughs> at that time, and I was like, oh, I can't start another LCG collection at at the time. But um, but I really liked it, and you know Arkham Horror's main thing is of course. The uh, Destiny Bag, it's not what it's called, something like that, where you draw from the um, uh, the tiles that create a difficulty setting of either, you know, you can you can set it up at the beginning oh, yeah, of the game. yeah, like the, the Doom Bag or whatever it is. Yeah, something like that, something <laughs> chaos like that. Chaos Bag or I, Oh, I some, think it might be the some, Chaos Bag, yeah. Some, some, so there's, some yeah, there's deal that like, doesn't sound very nice, yeah. No, and it's not. <laughs> there's like two nice things in there, and the rest are either yeah. nothing, not such the, a terrible thing happens or everything horrible happens. Yeah. <laughs> the bag of disappointment. Um, yes. <laughs> but I, but uh, Lord of the Rings doesn't have that. It's a different system to create a difficulty curve. But, and I was I really interesting. Like I, I don't, I have to say, I don't remember too much about it. I just remember really enjoying it and thinking that the structure of it was uh, really engaging. I was surprised. I thought it would just be kind of like a, um, kind of a, not, I knew that Fantasy Flight did it, so it was good. <laughs> but, uh, or is it Fantasy Flight? Yeah, no, it's Fantasy Flight. Um, yeah, it is. And I knew it would be good, but you know, a lot of times, especially with the Lord of the Rings stuff, it's there's so much lore that you can make an okay game and just keep publishing it because people like the IP. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, I was a little worried about that. Man, I really did enjoy it, so I could see why you got obsessed. So how obsessed did you get? Like, so I'm lo- I looked it up just to say, okay, if I was a new person getting into LOTR LCG, and that's a fun amount of letters. Um, yes. What is the recommended? order of purchasing and how much you purchase and as usual with these lcgs they always say get a core box actually you should get two core boxes and if you can't get three core boxes because that's ideal <laughs> and yes, then they have yes, a listing that, of each expansion down actually, the line yes so how, is, far, how deep are you right now um i am three full cycles deep okay. um so uh effectively my understanding from what i had read is the the core set if you can get two core sets you're you're in pretty good shape because that gives you um three copies at least of most of the player cards which is the max you're allowed to have in a deck um some of the cards each one only has one copy of um but realistically uh, a lot of them have two or three copies so if you get two core decks there's only a couple of cards that you're not getting the full quantity of and so, so you'll be fine there um and then it, it actually recommended uh, initially from some of the stuff I read that if you want to skip the first cycle of adventure packs, you can because the, the first deluxe expansion, which is the Kaza Doom expansion, the Mines of Moria, uh, which is the Dwardelf cycle, that, um, that's where you start to you get like a whole lot of um, kind of really powerful uh, early stage cards. Uh, that that initially brought a lot of lot more power to your deck than uh, than anything in the core set. Uh, so a lot of people were like, if you're really frustrated with the third scenario in the core box, which is like impossible to beat, I feel like, um, then if you get the 
Casa Doom expansion and even a couple of adventure packs from the second cycle, you can go back once you have a big enough deck and you can actually stand a chance at some of those earlier scenarios. Um, and they, they scale real well. I, I, I have found that um, the further you go in the cycles, uh, the more refined these scenarios really are. It's like they really kind of found, I feel like they sort of, the designers really found their stride uh, in the middle of the, the second cycle, the Dwarf cycle. That's when you started, I feel like, seeing smoother, um, smoother scenarios that didn't go kind of wonky sometimes um hmm, but but those cards those early cards and then it, it i went back and i bought the um obviously the whole uh, all the adventure packs for the first cycle and uh and kind of used that to to sort of fill in some of the the holes in my decks um so the way it's, it's laid out after the core set each uh there's always a deluxe expansion sure. and six adventure packs and that makes a cycle so the first okay. cycle is the core set and six adventure packs, and that's the Mirkwood cycle. And then uh, Casa Doom expansions, deluxe expansion, and the Dwardelf cycle is all six of those adventure packs. And then it's like Heirs to Numenor uh, is the third, and then there's uh, there's six adventure packs in that cycle. And I want to say there's maybe nine cycles somebody's somebody's gonna be like no actually there's eight or whatever right because right. i'm not gonna look this up but i think it's somewhere around seven eight nine cycles um is where they're at right now so uh they also have what are called um saga expansions so they actually play through the one of them is plays through the hobbit and then one of them plays through the actual lord of the rings trilogy so it's actually um it follows the 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 films, uh, whereas the rest of it, um, like what you get in the core set and you know the Merkwood cycle and all, all the cycles, you get actually uh, pre movie stuff. So it's like Second Age is when I think it's supposed to take place. Okay, uh, it takes place distinctly um, before. Uh, the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings, so so there are, there can be some uh, if you're really really into you know lore and canon and you're like, oh my God that never could have happened in this scenario. Okay, yeah, it probably couldn't have. You're right, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> suspension of disbelief. We're just uh, we're just in the world here, so yeah, um, we're doing doing what we can. Um, but I I'm really enjoying it. Uh, the deck building part of it is really really exciting. Um, and I'm just, uh, I'm really looking forward to, to digging more thoroughly nice. into it. Like I said, very, very late to the game, but, uh, yeah. shout out to everybody who was, who was in it before me, which is I like, like everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're at a good time though. Cause I like, I feel like I had a similar experience with, with um, uh, Android Netrunner where I got heavy into that two months before they were like, we're killing this game. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, and I did the same thing where I got, I try, I got the, um, the core and then, um, they did, they actually re-released the core as an updated version of the core because this, there was a lot of tournament play for this game. 
because uh, it's a head-to-head game, and they and it was a huge tournament scene too. That's what was so infuriating about it. Tournament scene was bigger than ever, and they're like, "Nah, not big enough. <laughs> you nerds love this, but not enough other people love this game, so we're killing it." I think they lost the license, from what I heard. Oh, you're I right. Think, Actually, that that is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It I think Netrunner was like, "We're gonna take that shit," and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they ever did anything with it. But they're like, "You're making too much money off of this. We're um, we're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know if we'll do anything, but we just don't want you doing stuff with it." Yeah, we're going to pull this and make no money off of it rather than leaving it here, making some money <laughs> off of it, and you making a lot of money off it. How's that? Right. <laughs> and, and a couple years later, it seems like a really stupid decision that they did there. But, um, but yeah, similar experience where like I was so excited and really getting into it, and I have a ton of Netrunner stuff. Um, so don't feel bad. I feel like that's a common thing <laughs> of getting into it right at the end, sort of. Because I feel like you can get some pretty good deals because people are like, ah, oh, dang it, and then they sell off some stuff. Yeah, and I actually I, I feel like it's a really a great time to get into it because it it theoretically and, and I think we've all seen the writing on the wall, it it's effectively ended now. So so now you know there's a finite amount of things, which one of the drawbacks to a living card game is, hey, when's it gonna end? How deep down this rabbit hole am I gonna go? But right. if I know that this is the stretch, then I can slowly build up to that over time. The other benefit is it's still making Fantasy Flight a ton of money. They are oh, they sure. have reprinted all of it, and it's continuously in constant reprint. So you're not going to find you're going to find very few things that are out of stock or stay out of stock, um, especially uh, once it gets going. But uh, they are committing to continuing to reprint all of this con- consistently. So you're not That's even awesome. dealing with scarcity like you would a lot of times when they they cancel an LCG. Um, I think they just kind of wanted to focus on other things. I think they felt like they had too many LCGs going at once, and this yeah. may have been like the the longest extended one. They're like, uh, how how much farther can we go here? There's only so many characters, I guess. But yeah, that make that makes sense. I mean, that's really cool though that they made that commitment because I feel like that's an issue with like well, Android they just killed it because they were just not. Well, they had the IP, oh, yeah. of course, but even they would still have. I guess I don't know how that works with reprinting. If you've already, you, I guess you do probably need the IP still if you're going to reprint, can continue to publish in any way. But, uh, but that's the thing about Lord of the Rings, though. It just never dies. <laughs> that that has consistently been popular for fifty years. And oh yeah, it's ever and it's just insane. It's it's astounding how many fans there are that are still constantly introduced to it, introduced to it, and introduced to it. Um, so, yeah, that's great to hear. Actually, that makes me want to pick up a corset and mess around with it because I did really enjoy it. But, uh, and well, and that's a good point about it ending too because the thing about Arkham Horror LCG right now is it is not ending. And I have stopped like tr- even trying to keep up with expansions because <laughs> right? it's just like I will go bankrupt <laughs> if I do this and my wife will leave me. <laughs> and, um, and all I'll have is my Arkham cards to, to give me solace through the dark times. And uh, they really don't like me either because they constantly kick the crap out of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. They're so hard. Yeah, that, yeah. No, that's really that's a good point though because that makes uh, it is nice to have an end goal and 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 especially if they've committed to um, reprinting, then you can yeah you can inch up on it without having to like take out a loan <laughs> to continue the cycle. Right. So is this something that Kirsten would be at all interested in trying, or have you tried it together? Um, we have not tried it together. Uh, she's a little leery. Um, yeah. As she she's often been burned is. before. Yes, she she <laughs> has been. She has been. Um, on a side note, my son Joey is here in town um, from Texas. I bet Joey would love it. 
for the month. Uh, I'm going to play some with him, but we're also, just to quickly change the subject and then come back, we are going to play this weekend. We're going to sit down and we're going to play Dwellings of Eldervale. <gasps> I'm going to be playing Dwellings of Eldervale this weekend. Oh, nice. that's exciting. We'll have so much to talk we're, about next week. <laughs> we will. We will because I love it. And I've played it. I've played it before and I really, really enjoy it. And I am not super excited to teach it, but I'm really excited to play it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is obviously hosting it here. And I have some friends who are coming into town from Portland and they are super. Ev- it's my friend Alex, actually, who got me kind of back into games. Uh, and they, he and his wife are coming to visit, and they are super avid gamers. So I seized the opportunity and roped them into the gameplay, and then um, we we were able to lure Brandon in at the last minute because oh. for because <laughs> Aaron went to Arizona and w- without like saying anything, and he was hosting it, <laughs> and we're like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, I'm in Arizona, hot tub, but we're like, wait, wait, what? what? <laughs> that affects this weekend, man. You should <laughs> like, <laughs> but you're gonna be back, right? <laughs> yeah, the, but before Saturday, right? <laughs> So, anyway, quick switch around. But that's cool. I'm so glad we're both playing at the same time. So, it'll be my first time, and it'll be your second time or third time? Uh, it'll be my second time with people. Uh, I've played it once with Jeff, and then uh, I've soloed it once. So, But fir- first time teaching it, right? First time teaching it, and first time with three. Oh, cool. Yeah, we're going to so play you, a you're doing full compliment. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Sometimes Ooh. with those big games, it's like, well, I'll see you in six hours. <laughs> so I'm prepared for a yeah. full afternoon. I'm so, actually kind of excited to hear how five players goes. Um, <laughs> me too. I'm actually really excited to figure out who has a table big enough to hold yeah. this game with five players. So Basically, that's why we're going to Jeff's because my table, well, you've been to my house, my table is... Like you yeah. could set the game up, but you couldn't play it. You could just look at it, and right, uh, right. <laughs> and uh, I have not been to Jeff's house, so I don't know what table size he has. But hopefully, it's able to to take it. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, no, I saw pictures of it, and it is a massive <laughs> space it, game. It's big, and what's what's funny is when you initially set it up, you're like, oh, that's not too bad, but you build the board with hexes as the game goes on right right so it it grows so initially you're like okay this is almost manageable and on a gigantic table oh no we're on turn (laughs) turn eight now and we're tossing out our you know 19th tile where's that gonna go (laughs) right 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 I guess we, I don't know, someone just hold it in their hand. You are now the designated tile holder. Yeah, and that's that's why I'm excited to see what it's like with, with five, to hear what you think of five, because uh, you actually use all the tiles. And with uh, oh, okay. with fewer, like every player you take out, you take out like a group of tiles. So like with two, oh, you only use a handful of tiles. With three, you add some more and, and on and on. So five's <laughs> going to use all the, the tiles. <laughs> It, hey, you know what? It, it's, uh, it's probably not super wrong. Uh, I think what would be neat would be on a table and then maybe with like side TV trays that you could just have like your, your pieces your pieces on. Oh, Might there you be go. interesting way to, to do it. I'll bet you could do it on a smaller table if you had, uh, if you had TV trays. I'll have to ask Jeff if I should bring like my card table or something like that. I wonder if he's... I'm sure he's thought it through. Jeff, if, if, if nothing else, Jeff is a planner. <laughs> yes, and, Jeff uh, is, is very much a planner. He's an engineer, and he sort of thinks of those things um, just because he does. 
It's yes. the way his mind works. He cannot help it. <laughs> so, but I, but I should offer it at least. Yeah, I'm excited too. I know this is a massive game, and we've all been given instructions to watch a video, which I am hit and miss on. But I'm determined to make sure I do it this time because I know you really it should. Is you huge. really should. Yeah, and it's a lot of yes. weight on Jeff to explain it. Um, but I, I'm excited. That's so fun that we're both playing on the, over the weekend. So that'll be cool to rehash it together when we get when we reconnect. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I I I, uh, I know you guys when you were here, you guys were talking about it, and then um, even before you moved, I think you I overheard you and Jeff and Aaron talking about it, and so it definitely was a uh, uh, I just kept hearing the buzz about Dwellings of Elder Vale, so I'm really excited to be able to jump into it. Yeah, the um, on the dice tower, yeah, you know, they have the the four guys or whatever, um, where it's <laughs> yes. Z and Z and Tom and Mike and uh, the other guy. Um, yeah. They all, uh, two of them rated it a 10, and, like, the other two rated it, like, a 9.5. Like, I've never seen a consensus. Uh, Mike Delizio said it was his, like, favorite game of all time. Wow. Yeah, okay, like, but I have a question. All right. It, do you think that's a, bit, that's a bit of the um, Gloomhaven buzz where everyone was like, this, nothing will ever top this game? Like, I'm sure uh, there will be things that come after, but is it is it really that good? I mean, it was good enough for you to go out and buy the Kickstarter with all the expansions, right? So clearly yes, it's pretty good. Yes, I did go out and spend $200 on it <laughs> immediately. <laughs> We're going to slowly but surely over time get a sense of your finances just by the amount of game expenditures. <laughs> um, but so it, so that's pretty good. I mean, there's I, you you do Kickstarters, but rarely do you, I, at least when we've talked, go out and spend like, like – because you didn't back Gloomhaven, did you? No. No, I didn't. Yeah. And so you resisted the temptation of that. <laughs> so yeah. what, what about Elderville like hit you so hard? Um, Honestly, it was uh... – Number one, it was seeing the presentation. It's a very impressive, uh, very impressive looking game. But, um, but really, when I was playing it, um, there was just there was so much going on and so many decisions that uh, it's one of those games where you sit there and you're like, okay, I have fifty different routes I could go here in my head, and you're you're just spinning, and and the game ends. And you're like, I want to do that again and try these other 20 things. Sure. And and then after that, I want to try a different 20 things. And then after that, I want to try a combination of those things. And it's just the, the impulse. Um, there's some games where you're just, you're done with it and you're like, I am going to play that a hundred more times. And then there's right. some games where you're like, I'm never going to play that again. And this was great. Sure. But um but yes this uh this game is fine I will say nice things about it but I will literally never look at you ever again. Right. So it, uh but this was not one of those. Interesting. So was it just like uh, the depth of play too or or the um the world that it kind of brought you into as well or was it just like every the mechanisms that were really exciting to engage with? The mechanisms were really fun. There was uh, there's there's a lot of them. At, at its base, it is uh, effectively a worker placement game, um, and and inherently it's it's very simple. The the inner workings of it, if you break it down and like take off um, a lot of the outer layers of it, you're uh, you're left with a fairly simple game, uh, s- okay. simple in concept. Uh, but there's so many additional layers, uh, set collection layers, and these uh, these cards that you buy that that 
Um, you can add tiles to that give you things when you regroup and you do when it's there's so much that uh, it's it's kind of hard abstractly to explain uh, what it is, but there's so many things working in conjunction with it, uh, and a lot of those things you rarely see work with each other. And it's just, hmm. uh, it's like a well-oiled machine. Uh, I would have expected, seeing how many different things go into this, uh, different mechanisms were kind of involved. I, I, In my head, this would be a complete mess. There's no way this game should work, but it really, really does. Hmm. And it works really well. Hmm. Interesting. I really want you to play it so that you can kind I'm of excited. Yeah, I'm help so me excited. put this into words. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm super excited to play it, and uh, I'm also I'm also super excited that it coincided with Alex and Liz being able to come uh, be in town because I think uh, they're avid avid gamers, and uh, they'll definitely be a good duo to partner up in this. So, oh Has man, Alex now I can't wait it? for Saturday. Uh, he has Al- not played it. He know, oh, okay. he's heard of it. Um, but uh, he's not played it, and um, they, I don't know, they rarely get big, big games to the table. Like, I'd say with their group that they kind of run, um, they, they play heavy games, and Alex and Liz like heavy games, but it's it's um, it's it's not as easy for them to find, like, offshoot times to, like, schedule big groups. Uh, Is it or, more, sorry, of big a, games? more of a chits and chat crowd, or...? Um, yeah, I'd say, you know, not, no, not really. I mean, they definitely play like full board game games. <laughs> it's definitely not that light. They love, uh, we, they love those games and, and I do too, those lighter bar takeout pocket games, uh, right. or, or bad games. But, um, it's just, I feel like my sense of their group that they have engaged, that they have available to them is it's, it's, it's rare to get a three to four hour play to the table. Um, and so I think the like I was talking to Alex a little bit about it, and I think he's excited to play. I hope he's excited to play because <laughs> I've been pumping it up big time. But um, but they're definitely you know people who have very extensive extensive experience with board game structures, and so I think they're going to jump into it pretty quick. So I'm excited that we'll uh, you know it's not like uh, oh I've played this and quicks and uh, or I played quicks and I'm ready for this. <laughs> it's like right. I don't think you are. <laughs> I'm nervous that you're going to come back and be like. This was the worst game I've ever played. <laughs> I like, hated okay. this. <laughs> like okay, let's uh, let's hear, let's hear exactly uh, what was going on here. I do. I am a little worried. I'm feeling like overhyped for it. <laughs> like I'm sure it's good, but I'm, it's like the game to end all games type of thing. So I'm trying to it keep my not expectations. The game, it's not simmering. the game to end all games. Uh, all right. I I will say that it is. Uh, it has not supplanted uh, Orleans. Or um, Blackout Hong Kong for me, uh, but but it is it is a, a very good game. It's very uh, it's very deep in its strategy. While but but it's still overall mechanically it's a fairly simple game. You do a lot of the same sorts of things, uh, but beware, Jeff will win. Um, oh, I'm sure of it. I go I go into most things assuming that <laughs> destroyed me. Uh, Focus, you know what, what wouldn't be the worst idea is if you see Jeff doing something repeatedly, like, do that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Sometimes, Interesting. Sometimes, especially with this. Like, he was doing this with uh, with the, the cards, the um, the door cards up top. 
and uh, he he kept going after those, and I'm like, oh, those are stupid, and they're not, in fact. So, <laughs> so yes, yes. All right, yeah. interesting. Now I do I do remember him uh, explaining how Aaron went full aggro, like war, basically uh, aggressive battle, and um, was stymied by the structure of the game that you just cannot kill what the creatures that turn into houses is how it was explained to me. I know there's more to it than that, but <laughs> that's how they dumbed it down for me before I know anything about the game. Right. Um, your workers just... your workers turn into to your houses, the the dwellings. Okay. So when you build a dwelling you effectively lose a worker. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and apparently Aaron was trying to kill them, but they're unkillable when they're in house form or something like that. And so his which actually I like. I love games that offset the um, war strategy because war is such a strong strategy in almost any game, especially Civ games. Um, and so it it's necessary; you need it. But it's nice when there's like alternatives to it, or at least pathways against it. So I'm I'm really excited. I'm so pumped for checking this game out because it does seem like it like does a lot of familiar things, but sort of just turns them on their head a little bit, or at least tweaks them so they're slightly different than you're expecting. Yeah, and that's that's actually going back real quick to to the the war aspect of it um one of the neatest things that this game does that i i'm not sure i've seen in any other games or at least not this prevalently um so what you do on your turn is you you place a worker on a tile and uh you take the action right that's that's what you do or Mm -hmm. you withdraw all your your people from the board and you get uh, each person you withdraw lets you do something from uh, some of your cards. So you can be like, I'm going to pull this guy back and do this thing that this card lets me do. Um, so, okay. so pulling workers back gives you special powers when you do it. Um, so one of the, the the neat things that this does is you can place a worker on a location that somebody else has a worker on, and you'll hmm. fight. So you'll have a battle and somebody will die and go to the underworld and then later you don't get to you don't get to pull that guy back. Uh, well, you get to pull him back, but you don't get anything for him. You just he just goes back into your pool, but you don't get to do a special action, right? So that's gotcha. that's kind of a bummer. But the cool thing about it is is that you still get to do that action that you place that guy on the um, on the the worker placement spot. You do that first. So win or lose the battle, a lot of times it doesn't matter. You're just trying right. to get the benefit of placing it there. And a lot of a lot of worker placement games like would be like you place on there if there's a battle, if you lose it, you don't get to do the thing. So sometimes huh, you know going into something, you're like, okay, that guy's got three dwellings around there. He's got a guy, his, his dragon is in there and it's right next to a monster. I'm going to place a worker there anyway, because I know this guy's going to die. I don't stand a chance. It's going to be like six <laughs> dice to one. Um, but, but I still need the action. So you, you still get the action. So it doesn't, it doesn't interfere with your plans when other people block those spots. Gotcha. So it, okay, it, it is an inconvenience when you lose a fight, but it doesn't. It's not the end of the world, and it's not that big of a deal. And I really like that because it makes it a lot less take that feeling, which yeah. obviously we hate. Yes, we do hate that. No, that's cool. I, I really it. like that. I, I <laughs> despise that. I, I really do like that. That is really cool. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. Oh, all right. Dwellings of Elderville. Oh, take that. That reminds me. What did I just play? Oh, 
I've got a game. Speaking of take that, we could segue into a much less interesting topic, but <laughs> an, okay. interesting one, <laughs> an interesting one nonetheless. Uh, I think I think it's interesting. And I, I'm sure you will too, but I just played the game Koleka. Have you played that game before? That is the um, Polish game that is basically simulating what it was like to uh, purchase goods and for your family in 1980s era communist Poland. Um, no, and that sounds terrible. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It sounds like the worst possible game. <laughs> Just there is limited supply and you have to get in line for it. <laughs> And people are jerks. Welcome right, to Kaleka. So, <laughs> so it's just like the the game of standing in line. Yes, it is basically. Oh, Kaleka means line or queue in Polish. <laughs> so it is very barefaced about what it is. But it is such an interesting game. It um it is a game that was actually so in Poland they have this Institute of Remembrance and it is tasked with creating ways for Polish people to understand their history. And a lot you know a lot of the history is pretty recent. The they had a massive government shift, a whole different like collapsing of initial government and rebuilding of the government very recently. You know within a few decades. And so they have a they have this institute that is tasked with kind of informing the younger um, uh, population like what what their parents and grandparents like lived through like what that was and why where they are today and it's just really fascinating and one of the coolest things that they do is they make they've made board games to do it because they were like what's what's a way to get to people that they'll actually do instead of giant textbooks uh, let's play like a cool game and they made this really amazing game and expansions uh, about standing, uh, basically trying to get good. So the way the game works is, you um, you are you draw a card and you're a goal card. So everyone's got an individual goal, and the flavor text on the goal tells you what you're supposed to do. So for instance, when I played, I was trying to get uh, certain items for a first communion celebration, and I played with Alex, and he was trying to get items for a just a birthday celebration. And what you're trying to get is there are five goods. I think there's five goods. I could be wrong. But you're supposed to get a certain amount of each of those goods. So I had to grab like uh, four food goods. I had to grab three gross, or I'm sorry, uh, four um, uh, pieces of furniture, basically decoration, three food goods, um, two pieces of clothing, and one, uh, I can't remember what it was. It's not medicine, but it might be more like. Oh, it's I can't remember what the what the fifth one is, but but anyway, so basically different numbers of those goods based on what your goal is, and those goods are sold in five individual shops, and in front of each of those shops is a line and are spots in a line, and you have a handful of meeples, and as the game progresses, you get to place a certain amount of meeples to start it off, and you have a certain place in line, and then based on the player count, goods will come to those stores each round, but only a limited amount, so. In a two-player game, it's very limited. Like, there's only going to be uh, one or two goods for one store each round. As the player counts get higher, and this is a game that's really made to be played with, like, uh, higher player counts, um, there's more and more stores will have, like, a good. But still, it's, like, one or two or maybe three at a higher player count goods for a store. So the game really is about um, jockeying for position (laughs) and planning out where you'll be when a good hits this store. So you might wait at a store that isn't getting goods this round or this day, and you're, but you might be where they're staying there because you'll have two people in line. And so the next time, if two goods come out of that store, you'll grab both. But you also in your hand have a, a set of cards, a deck of cards, and you draw a few in your hand each round. I think it's three. Yeah, it's three. Um, and these are the core of the game. 
this is real, and also the core of the experience of what this was like, where you have either like you have a connection at the store, and so um, they know you, so they let you uh, swap the line, or you have a baby in your arms, so you can go to the front of the line, and there's like. All these scenarios that the cards – the flavor text of the cards explains, like, why it's happening, and then at the bottom it explains what it is uh, to manipulate the line. Sometimes you can just straight up uh, call in, like – uh, it's not a bomb threat, but it's basically, like, you do something and you force the store to close for the day. <laughs> so it, even if it has items, it cannot sell to anybody. It will sell the next day, but you're just being a butt <laughs> and trying to block someone from getting something that day because the goal of the game is the first to get all their items and all the numbers needed wins. And however many rounds that takes, um, so, so this it's is really gu- fascinating. This structure. is guillotine, the waiting in line similar. game. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's very similar to guillotine and feel, um, but it is just really interesting. And the cool thing about this game, especially if you like lore, <laughs> is that half of the rule book is just an explanation of why they chose the action cards and how this happened in real life. Like there were people actually like renting babies. So they could cut in line and be like, oh, I've got my baby today. I wish I – oh, please let me. I'm so – I need you to take pity on me and let me go in the front of the line. But it's not their baby. <laughs> but it was like this thing you had to do to get goods because there was such limited supply at that time. And it was just these sorts of fascinating like really rich history of Poland at that time and how people survived within a very limited supply system. Um, and it, it's just anyway, – it's really, really cool. really well designed. So they also made an expansion, which is uh, called Olgolnek. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it also means like – it's another word for like line or queue. And this introduced a few things. And one of the things it introduced is vodka. So you can go to the liquor store and you can always buy vodka. You can always grab it. There's, there's only so many <laughs> for the day. But there's no like waiting. Everyone can grab it if they want. And you can use it to be like a wild card for another good in certain ways. And so um, it creates another scenario for you kind of to weasel your way into getting these goods. So it's it's a really interesting structure, and I've never quite played anything like it. And, um, yeah, I, I definitely would recommend people check this out. You can I saw, I've seen it at game stores, and I've seen it. It's definitely on Tabletop Simulator, and I, you can definitely still get it like on Amazon and stuff like that. But it is a really interesting game, and it is much more fun than it sounds. <laughs> and at first blush, it actually kind of, it it sounds neat. It sounds a lot like like Guillotine, the yeah, like Cold War edition or whatever. But <laughs> right, yeah, um, there's some crossover huh. for sure. Yeah, what happened it's... to all those Q babies? The ones that people rented, <laughs> and then once they grew up, like uh, we have no need for these babies anymore. Oh, I bet they do great. I mean, they already had a business going. They probably that made a little bit of that scratch every time they got rented out. They <laughs> their parents got right. a bit of money, so hopefully they do it. Yeah, okay. huh? Huh? I was a Q baby. <laughs> They're all writing books now. <laughs> it just made me think too. I wish the state, the United States, or other countries had stuff like that. I mean, because there's definitely games that deal with our history. Like there's, um, well, the, you know, the obviously war games. But there's different. There's games that have come out that have dealt with like the. Uh, American Indian Wars, or the wars that we've had with American Indians, it, them being involved uh, on our side or not on our side. There's definitely uh, the Underground Railroad. Um, there's games that deal with our history, but nothing that's been like backed by the government to be like, here's a cool way to f- discover our history. Like our our best way we do that is just <laughs> make really thick, dense books and assume people will read them, which they don't. But yeah. um, it's just like that's yeah. just a cool institute that Pol- Poland has. Our government's not super keen on teaching history 
uh, regardless. But that's right. <laughs> probably that's not a topic for for this. They could start easy. The story of George Washington, the game. Oh, oh, that, never mind. That's there's some bad areas. <laughs> there's some gray areas that have to navigate there. They could just do I don't know. What is America? The game, <laughs> a landmass in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, it'd be cool if they if they cool if there would be more sponsorship because it is such a great way to learn inadvertently about things and still have a fun way to play. Because the coolest thing about this game, I will say, is it is a good game. It is not just um, a historical lesson wrapped in some fun fonts and some clip art um, from the time period. That's the other cool thing is they actually it's like Monty Python style where they clipped out. Uh, real pictures of real goods from that time, and that so oh. those are the goods that you buy. <laughs> um, but it's actually a really well designed game. They definitely put effort into this and made it a good, good game. And so I was just like, man, good for you guys. You you could have half asked this and put a check in the box, but you actually made this something that yeah. people want to play, and apparently play enough that they released an expansion because it was popular enough that they made money off of it. So, <laughs> yes, What's called? Kalachi. Uh, Koleka. So it's K O L E J K A. Okay. Those Polish with their extra letters and weird pronunciations of those letters. Ah. <laughs> Why didn't you just choose Cyrillic? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why do you continue to, to Romanize with our <laughs> no, no. letters? <laughs> we'll make it confusing for everyone. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> it's the Polish way. <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely, if you have a chance or you ever see it and have an opportunity to check it out, definitely check it out. It's really interesting, or um, uh, it's something that we could definitely play on Tabletop Simulator sometime. Um, but uh, it's really interesting. It's a cool, really cool game. I'll have, I, I've written it down. I will have to check that out. For sure. All right. All right, so where should we head now? What else do we have on the docket to talk about? I uh, Let's see. Do you have any uh, games you want to go over or um, topics you want to jump into? I have so many games to go okay. over. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what to, to go with next. Um, so uh, a few games I played uh, a bunch. Let's just, just go with one. Um, okay. And I don't remember if you and I played this or not. I don't think we did. Um, so... Let's let's just start with the most accessible. Uh, okay. I believe this is a Target exclusive, uh, which are awesome, by the way. There's a bunch of so really good. good ones out, so good. like crazy good ones. And I'm just like, how in the world? Yeah, um, these are real gamer games. But uh, uh, have you played Pan Am? I haven't. I, I know of it, and it's a game that I'm, I was very interested in, but I have not played it. So I I really enjoy this. This uh, I'm I'm a little surprised at how heavy this game is in comparison to kind of what I would have expected with a hey Target exclusive kind of label right. on it. Um, the people I played it with, uh, which is uh, my wife and then uh, Larry and Jen and somebody else, uh, but experienced gamers, um, everyone really described it as like. Um, Ticket to Ride on steroids, like really hmm, intense. Like if Ticket to Ride were substantially more meatier, and it kind huh. kind of is. It's um, I would call it a worker placement game, uh, in that you have uh, engineers that you place in different phases uh, on different things, uh, like buying aircraft and uh, buying routes and um, 
building airports and things like that. And uh, one of the neat mechanisms is, is that there's an AI that is Pan Am that is uh, you roll a dice during the Pan Am phase and Pan Am will start purchasing um, it'll start purchasing routes. And okay. once it purchases those routes, they're closed off forever. They belong to Pan Am, so the game sort of starts shrinking. But hmm. if you own that route, if you've already built that route and they buy it from you, you get money for it. So one of the strategies can be to uh, get a lot of money by kind of trying to predict what direction and where and when Pan Am's going to buy these routes. Uh, it is dice based, so so you could uh, it could end up going down one path for a long time, and you're right on the other side, being like, "All I need, all I need, is a different face to show up once," and uh, maybe it doesn't happen, uh, or maybe it does. You never know. So um, it's not like you can't. It's not rock solidly predictable, but you know that from a certain place, it's going to go this way, that way, this way, or this other way. So. Uh, based yeah. on the dice, so so that there is some some hedging your bets on that, uh, but you're also um, you're buying stocks in uh, in Pan Am, so you're you're buying Pan Am stocks, and the market fluctuates based on the event card. So an event card might say uh, raise the stock price by two, or something okay. like that, or lower it by one, or bump it up to 10 or what have you. Um, so you're trying to buy stock uh, as you have money, but you want it to you want to buy it at the right time. You know, if you're buying it up when it's at seven and then it drops down to five the next round and you've spent all your money, the next person's going to buy it up at five. But if you hadn't have bought it up at seven and it bumps up to nine, you made the right choice. Hmm. Interesting. So, okay. so they, they, there's some hedging. So you don't want to spend like all of your money on each round on stocks, even though stocks ultimately kind of the the point basis of it. Um, so there there is some playing playing the odds and that sort of thing on that. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting options. You need uh, large. You need to buy larger aircraft uh, in order to get larger routes, and larger routes give you more money. Um, they also potentially could give you more money when um, if Pan Am buys it. Uh, and so there's a whole lot of, and you use the cards, you use these route cards to, uh, you need a takeoff spot and a landing spot. And you need a card that matches something from both of those spots. So you're kind of um, trying to get the right cards combined with getting the right planes, combined with maintaining money and still keeping an eye on buying stocks. And there's just so much, there, there's a lot going on, um, but it's really interesting uh and and it works really well and it's it's a really fun economy kind of almost like i'd call it a stock market game um yeah but it's uh it's very fun it's it's actually it's a very different experience than i thought i did i didn't look at anything about it before i bought it um this is this point this was probably like uh, four or five months ago um but i didn't look at anything before i bought it uh so it kind of was all new to me as I'm going through it, and uh, and I was ple- very very pleasantly surprised. I I really yeah. liked it a lot. That was a a good a good buy. Um, I would not 
use it necessarily as a gateway game because sure. if uh, if Ticket to Ride's a five, this is a seven and a half. So okay. uh, it is it is definitely, um, and I think Ticket to Ride's more like a three, and this is more like a four and a half or five. But uh, on the the grand scale of of putting Ticket to Ride in the middle, um, it's about that much more complex. Okay, interesting. So it's definitely a step up. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I love the theme. I love the art style too. They went with the very sixties um, or era. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, they look. It looks like honestly, they use a lot of the art of the airline <laughs> to. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm sure. I'm and I'm sure it was cheap to license out too, since it's like. Well, I don't even know if they'd have to license it anymore because it's defunct yeah, at yeah, this point. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's all super duper retro. The entire game, the feel of it, the components, everything's very retro. It, it feels like a game you found on your grandma's shelf, uh, and you're playing <laughs> it, and and it's uh that is neat it's like if they made really good games back in the 70s which i yeah, don't think no, they really cool. did so not yeah. many <laughs> not no, yeah. many at all <laughs> <laughs> they weren't into making good games in the 70s they were it's more about making games just as cheaply games. as possible yes <laughs> so it looks like there's there's different planes so how does that affect your route decision is that with obviously it is the amount of passengers available or carrying as the higher, the bigger the plane, the more money potential that you can make or more attractive it is to Pan Am to buy the the route. It's the distance. So some routes are two distance two, some are distance three, some are distance maybe is it three or four. It's been a month or so since I played it, but uh, there's different, Mm -hmm. uh, different routes or have different lengths. And so you need, like a level one plane to go one. You need a level two plane to go two. Uh, so you can't cross, you know, this this big route that's a level three route unless you have a level three plane. So, sure. and okay. those, those routes, and when you do a bigger route, you get more money for it. And then obviously when Pan Am buys a bigger route, they pay more for the bigger route. So huh. it's kind of a win all the way around, but planes can be pretty expensive. So it's kind of a trade-off of do I just try and fulfill a whole bunch of tiny routes or do I kind of ramp up and do a couple larger routes? or And then where do I do them? Do I do them closer to Pan Am so that they, they have a potential to buy? But then it's more competitive over there with the other players because they're thinking the same thing. Um, but it's... Uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah. It's uh, there's a lot a lot more going on than you would initially assume in a game like this. When you come up, when you see it, you're like, oh, how how complex could this be? But it's a meaty game. It really is. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It looks really cool. I'll have to see if I can find a play a way to play that. That looks really neat. Yeah, that's cool. I, I I've always liked that route. I mean, obviously the um, ticket to ride route. Um, rush to get the routes first or score points through the routes and get to your destination is the core of that game. <laughs> but I, I always like that. I always like games where you're trying to like, um, uh, well, it's basically like territory control, I guess, in a way. It is the, you're trying to like, trying to be the first to or the best to get a little section of the map. And it's interesting that you're going to sell it off. That's a, fun, that's a fun twist to it. Yeah. And you don't necessarily always want to sell it off because, um, that can reduce like uh, 
what can it do? It can like reduce your available something or other. Uh, it drops you on on the um, the amount of money that you make every turn. So like mm, as you okay. build routes, like if I build a two route, then I, my my money goes up so that every turn I get two more dollars to start the turn. So like in your refresh, so it's kind of like a um, like an income meter. And mm. so when when you sell that route, you get money. But then you have to lower your income meter by that many. So it, it's it's a good thing, but it's also can be long term kind of a downer thing. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so so it's uh, so you, you can't like it takes out the the idea that oh I'm just gonna everyone's just gonna build with the intent of selling because that can okay. be a that can be a viable strategy if you're doing it correctly, but you it may not necessarily always work in your favor if you're building towards something in particular so that's uh that just adds another layer to the onion huh cool yeah that sounds really cool i like that idea <coughs> pan am all right cool i'll check that one out you should um all right i've got a game uh topic to suggest i so i was been really interested lately and this is not a recent thing this has happened over the last several years but basically board games or video games being adapted into board game structures and some of them make fence or make sense and fences um and some of them <laughs> seem just ridiculous <laughs> like uh you know there's balder the betrayal at balder's gate um you know that's in the uh, RPG Baldur's Gate series, and that that kind of makes sense that they stru- used um, uh, the Betrayal game to sort of reskin over with Baldur's Gate. And, and from what I've heard, I've not played it. It does fill the theme decently. Um, yeah, I've but heard there's the some same. interesting one. There's some interesting ones like there's a Doom board game, and there is a uh, Street Fighter deck building game, especially like Doom with first person shooters. I just don't. I don't yeah. understand how you make that a board game that's not just a, a skinning of that theme for people who like that theme. And so I'm really curious to see how many of these are actually uh, good and how many of them, not just not just good games by themselves, but how, how many of them actually feel like there's a sense of the gameplay in these board games. And so I'm going to slowly be working my way through a bunch of uh, lists that I made. But um, I recently played Portal, the uncooperative quick cake acquisition game. Yes. And because this this came out a while ago, and I was very curious what they did with this game. And uh, Portal, for those of you who don't know, is a kind of a indie darling video game that came out many years ago. Um, that is a puzzle-solving game. It is technically a first-person shooter, in quotes, but you never have a gun. You just have a portal gun. I guess you do have a gun, but it shoots portals, not bullets. Um, and all it is is it's puzzle-solving, and you're trying to get out of this laboratory, and uh, the laboratory has kind of a deranged AI robot um, that is determined to put you through what it calls tests because that's what a program it's programming uh makes it do but they are you're not sure what the purpose of them are or what the reason is and there's cake or is there cake and so that's a very the cake hilarious. is a lie the cake, the cake is, is a, a lie. lie you do find out the cake is a lie um uh, but it's just spoiler. a very silly fun game yeah spoilers spoilers <laughs> everybody uh, a very funny, silly game with a very, very great sense of humor and intriguing gameplay and um, it inspired a lot of games afterwards uh, and it came out with its own sequel. And So there's this board game that came out and I was just very curious what they did with it and, and overall. And so we were able to play this um, last week and I really was surprised. I So the game itself is um, 
not the video game. I will say that. In this specific uh, game, you are not going to be rehashing or getting a uh, the feeling that you were of playing the video game. What the game is is that GLaDOS, the AI who's in charge of the uh, experimental lab because all the humans are dead. Uh, spoilers, she killed them uh, many years ago uh, because they were getting in the way of the research. And uh, she's going to be putting you through and you and other people, you're all on your own kind of uh, team of uh, test subjects. You know, basically, your meeple color is your test subjects. You're trying to get them through. And you're going to be going through the lab and jockeying for position. Uh, and the goal of the game is to have the most cake slices in the lab when the game ends. And the game has a couple end conditions, but they don't really matter, to be honest. Uh, it's basically what the game is, is you are trying to avoid uh, treacherous situations, like there are turrets that can pop up, or there can be your other uh, the other people playing the game are trying to get you to be at the end of the lab when a piece of the lab is recycled. So basically it's kind of like a hexagonal uh, grid of board game pieces that go through in a conveyor belt. So at the end of each person's turn, there will be a piece at the end that is recycled. So if any meeple goes on it, they are um, sent to the incinerator. (laughs) And so is any cake that's on it. And uh, it goes back to the beginning. Um, so your meeples do come back to you, even if they get, uh, they die this way. So you always have your meeples returning, but if you lose any of the cake you have, you only have six or I can't remember six or eight pieces for the whole game, then that's gone forever. So you're trying to make other people lose their cake and you keep your cake. Well, you also need to keep cake in the lab somewhere. So it needs to be in some rooms because the person with the most cake in the lab when the game ending sequence initiates is the winner. And so you're trying to find this balance of keeping these winning pieces out in play, but making sure they don't get close enough to the edge so they'll be either purposely uh, destroyed or accidentally destroyed when the lab resets uh, or that room resets while also avoiding um, uh, the the, the turret or other uh, events that can happen. And then secondly, you're trying to get bonuses by uh, when the lab resets, it triggers off these actions. And if you have the majority of meeples on that tile as it resets to go to the beginning, you get stuff. You either get action cards or you get to place place a piece of cake or you get to replace a meeple um, back into the lab or you get to move the turret or you get to move the companion cube. Uh, There is a companion cube in this game. It's very cute. (laughs) I would almost buy this game just for the companion cube, to be honest. (laughs) And uh, but anyway, so it captures some things about Portal uh, and I will say it's a good game. I, it's good enough, in fact, that I actually bought it. But it definitely doesn't capture the video game experience, I will say. So the way I would state is that this is the Portal Lab, the Aperture Labs, I should say, when um, they were working well. When they were limitless tep subjects and GLaDOS could run them through their paces without worrying about a couple dying here and there. It's no big deal. There's always more. And uh, the lab was working as it, it was expected. But it was a very simple lab. And, this, and the test was to how to keep an asset in play while not uh, dying. (laughs) Um, So it's a quick game. It plays very quickly. And uh, one thing I wish is that they got into – they they could have made it more complex and they could have made it more of a deeper game. But I can – you can definitely get the sense that they were trying to make it more approachable to people who, A, hadn't played Portal – necessarily or maybe had played it a long time ago and remember much about it but also just gamers in general because it's a solid game but i wish there was just more portal in it 
So that's my first in this little series that I'm doing. <laughs> that's my first one I played, and that's my thoughts. But Portal, the Cooperative Cake Acquisition Game, is a pretty fun game, and it's got some unique structures. So kudos to that, the designers, for actually making um, a game with some uniqueness to it and not just kind of skinning another structure or putting a few mechanisms together and, and uh, having a good game but nothing new. They seem to actually try to make something that was would happen to the Portal universe and um, definitely succeeded in making something that is its own thing. So Portal, yeah. yeah. All right. So, so far, heard, so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've heard lots of, lots of good things uh, about it. Well, I've heard very mixed things, but um, a lot of good yeah. things and some, some not quite as good things. But um, my whole thought, and then we can probably finish up here, but my whole thought yeah. on video game, board game crossovers, I'm sort of torn because... Yeah. I feel like a lot of times uh, video game mechanisms don't translate very well uh, because video games are so real time and it's it's very difficult to translate the feeling of a video game into a board game. Like the worst board game For sure. ever made, uh, maybe worse than Carcassonne, is Mega Man. <laughs> The board game, <laughs> oh, geez, uh, universally panned as being just incredibly slow and plodding, and just a a disaster nightmare of a game. And if obviously anybody who's ever played Mega Man the video game is like, that is not a slow plotting game. Like, bam, that's no. like a go. That's like, yeah, it's uh, it's as as high speed a uh, an action game as you could get. And so, so I, I feel like uh, sometimes um, I don't love seeing those, but I also do at the same time feel like it's great for board gaming because you've got the video game industry that's like, well, it's like a $70, $70 billion industry that's versus massive. like a $7 billion industry for the board games. Like it's, right. it's so much larger uh, that any kind of crossover advertising it can give us uh any any people it can share somebody who only plays video games now is like oh i'm gonna play dark souls board game oh this is a fun board game it's not um but oh <laughs> i was gonna this, say that's one i'm very curious about <laughs> yeah this is this is a fun board game and so now now i'm gonna explore more board games well we need that we want that we want to bring more visibility to this hobby but at the same time i feel like we want to bring good visibility to it we don't want Mega Man fans coming over playing Mega Man and going oh geez i'm never playing another board game in my life right yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's how that would be. No, and I agree because honestly, for me, it's also been kind of like um, a turnoff. I, I'm a video gamer. I, I like playing video games. I have for a long time. And when I see the names pop up of these games, I'm like, if if I've played the game, why would I just go play the game? Like, I love both board games and video games, but I play them for very different reasons, you know. And so, right. um, so that's why I'm kind of interested. Like, I'm very curious. Like, what what they what the approach was here because definitely with like the Mega Man game it was just a game that was maybe the game structure was functional but you can't slap on a game that is extremely fast paced to a slow burn strategy game it just feels wrong it feels unsatisfying like no one's gonna get much out of it Um, so I feel like in the last several years maybe the five to ten they've they've kind of sort of tried to 
at least the early days, I think they're doing it more, try to accommodate the game feel to the game as a board game. That's But there's also games where I'm just like, how? How could they possibly do this? Which is like Doom. Doom is another fast-paced first-person shooter it, it's the whole lore of Doom is just running and gunning. You're just running at high speeds. It's high uh, adrenaline, and I'm just like, how do you? And very, very few board games are high adrenaline. <laughs> There's tension, but not high adrenaline. And right. so I'm very curious if they what they did with it. Um, and uh, like you said, D- Dark Souls. Dark Souls is a game that is notorious for being a grind, but for some reason, the video game is engaging and addicting. The grind is addicting. Board games that are grinds are usually die a very quick death in the yes, community. Yes, they are not just fun. like, why Nobody would I waste to my time? Grind. Yeah, no one wants to grind right. in a, a board game. Yeah. Why uh, would I set all this up and then hate this game? <laughs> like, it, it, no one wants to do that. And so, I, like, a friend of mine was really into Dark Souls, and he bought um, all the Dark Souls stuff when it kickstarted. And so... Uh, I would really like to try to play that one just to see, like, what what is it? Is it actually a game that's approachable for anyone who hasn't played Dark Souls, or is it just for Dark Souls fans? So I'm just kind of curious where the mood of the industry is and how they're approaching this crossover, because like you said, it is a massive industry, and it it's only good probably overall for board games that... There are some people that are transitioning over to video game or board games or at least maybe piquing an interest or they already play and they just find a game that maybe they want to pick up because it's something that they played before and they're intrigued. But um, but I want to know if uh, if they're worth it, how good of a game, how much effort they're putting into the gameplay of these games. Yeah. So we'll I, see. I'm gonna... I think it really depends. Oh, like I've heard great things about Street Fighter. I've heard sure. pretty terrible things about Fallout. Um, yeah. I've heard good things about Bloodborne. Um, I have Bloodborne the card game, which actually isn't as bad as it sounds. Uh, yeah. But, um, it, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it I think it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you're bringing sure. it over, if you're bringing the IP over because you feel like there are some board game type strategies to explore in that world or in that setting, cool. But if you're trying to just capture the adrenaline rush or the feeling of playing that particular video game, I don't think that's what we're looking for here. Right. It's a different need. It's a different interest for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to see where it's at overall because there's been several that have been released in the last five years. And there's older ones too. Like they released a StarCraft game like 10 years ago. And I am really interested but but that's also um uh oh shoot who is that uh oh, he, the, he did yeah, Battlestar galactica um oh, what's his name uh, okay I'm, I'm looking it up i'll find it right here uh cory cory kinesia and so um this starcraft was like one of his early early games that he was a part of and it was like second i think he and his notable games listed are warrior knights in 2006 and then starcraft in 2007 so he's a designer that i know is really good and so it feels like they probably made a real deep attempt to to encompass the world of the starcraft into this game and it's a game it's a video game i could see lending itself well to board games but that's an old one and so i don't know how well that went a year later he did Battlestar galactica well and starcraft (laughs) got starcraft the board game got reskinned uh that's forbidden stars uh, the four, yes, that's true. Yeah. The Warhammer 40k version, which I I have another video game. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, is Warhammer a video game too? 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, because I know originally a, it's a, it was it is a, a role-playing game. Like, it is, yeah. It's way it's back sort of like when like I was in high school. Yeah, miniature game, but they've uh, expanded uh, many years ago into like huh. video games and stuff like that. But you're right; it was started a board game. Yeah, the um, the I, and and it's very very well received. So my understanding, like if you can get a hold of the original StarCraft game, it's fantastic. yeah, it's a collector's but, item. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's expensive. Yeah, I. I'm just curious. I'm very curious to see what they are and who they're for. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I'm, I'm hoping there's some really cool stuff, but so, like I said, some of the themes, it's just like, well, I don't, I don't even understand what a doom game would be, but maybe it's the most amazing game I've ever played. And I don't even have to play doom anymore. <laughs> well, and maybe it's so just we'll supposed see. to be in the doom world. Like it's just like using the, the setting and in which case, yeah. maybe, maybe that's, that's the cool thing. But, yeah, I, I don't so. I don't see how you can capture first person shooter feel in in a board game. Is there a Resident Evil game because I feel there like There is. Yes. Cuz I feel like that would be really good translation from I would think so. Video game yeah. to board game. That can't that so can't many, be very popular. Can, yeah. That can't be very no. popular, can it? Cuz like I've never heard of it. <laughs> No, I don't. Uh, let's see. I was gonna look it up like when they published that one because I think it's like technically a Resident Evil Two board game. Oh no, okay. There's a deck building game from 2010, and uh, Resident Evil Two came out in 2019. Resident Evil deck building game. Resident Evil Two the board game. Resident Evil Three the board game. What? <laughs> these these can't be good, right? Yeah. No, I I just. I'm so curious though. Like I would, I would definitely, I definitely want to play because like Resident Evil game, that's a zombie game or in a and a like a fast zombie game. You know, the zombies are aggressive. I could see that going well, especially in the zombie when zombies were huge a few years ago. Um, obviously, that's kind of when these came out. So I don't know. I mean, there's there's things that definitely lend itself to board games that have been shown in other board games that uh, do well. Like there's a lot of fast paced zombie games or several fast paced zombie games that that are popular and have good structures and people like, so I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and looks, that's what I will be finding out. So yeah, it looks like resident evil Two, the board game was a big mini Kickstarter in 2019. Uh, so okay. more, more recently than I would have thought, but um, yeah, that there's no way that could be that good. If we've no, never I... heard of this. Okay. <laughs> But you never know. I mean, a lot of games games have come out in the last three years. Like every last over the last three to five years, every year it's just been like exponential growth and the release of games and stuff like that. So maybe it got lost in the shuffle. Maybe this is one of the best games of all time, and it's just <laughs> it just just yeah, fell apart or fell maybe. off the the wagon. So we'll see. But anyway, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm going to start trying to get these played um, over every couple of weeks, get one played, and then I'll tell you guys about it and we we'll, we can talk about it. Um, so I don't know what my next one will be. So if you guys have any thoughts, you can definitely message us and, and give your suggestions on what you've played or what you would like to hear about. So we'll see. Well, I will Portal do the down, same. Who's what's next? I will do the same. Yeah, that'd be great I, if you want to. Yeah. I think I have. I think I have a couple uh, games. I'm sure on my shelf that are. Uh that are video game based so Ooh, well weird. if you could get forbidden stars i mean you'd have to take the wrapping off of it i don't know if you've done that yet but last we talked i have was not very, <laughs> it was still it's still wrapped in plastic i have not because that is an investment i'm not 100 percent sure i want to yeah invest it, it, in it right is now. a collector's item you can't get it anymore so um yeah. but anyway you get other ways to play but uh 
But anyway, yeah, that'd be great if we could both do that. If you had uh, some opportunities too, or that'd be fun to uh, commiserate over those or uh, commiserate. They're not going to be bad necessarily. You <laughs> <laughs> think you're just Compare making notes. assumptions here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm already naysaying it. But uh, but anyway, yeah, there's even like new releases. I just thought of one. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is a, a game that came out like last year, and I think there's a sequel coming out. So that's a brand new game, and oh. their board game kind of came out very soon after the game came out. So they're now they're starting to like connect the the two outlets for these um, IPs, which is really interesting. I am waiting on The Witcher, which oh. obviously I'll be waiting on for like a year. But um, yes, yeah. But but that's a video game. Yes, it is. Yeah, oh, really good. Yeah, video that game. very good video game. Yeah, that is uh, another one that I'm very curious to see how that plays. And that one, honestly, I could see doing really well because it has a lot of lore. It's a lot of like Dungeons and Dragons hit like structures to it and fantasy structures to it that would lend itself well. And apparently, everyone is aware of The Witcher. Like I was read The Witcher books a long time ago and played the video games, and the fact that it was a, such a popular Netflix series astounds me. Like, where right. did all these fans come from? Like, it must just be Henry Cavill fans, because I don't know. There's no way. I would always try to talk to people about that series and be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, is this The Lord of the Rings? No, it's not. Yeah, no, that's 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 Superman for fans. <laughs> like, it's gotta oh, be, right? Yeah, yeah. just... <laughs> Superman with a sword. All right, I'm in. It's like <laughs> and we, tight leather pants. We waited so long for for Zack Snyder's Justice League that uh, this is just going to have to do. Yeah, yeah well, this is this is what this will get us through. Yeah. So <laughs> that's got to be it. All right, I think we should probably call it right. I feel like we've done our diligence today, but yeah. um, this may be our longest episode ever. Yeah, it could be. Uh, that was great, though. I'm looking forward to uh, reconnecting on this series as we slowly progress through it. So, um, yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. You can get a hold of us a couple different ways. You can go to um, – oh, shoot. Now I forget what our best – I always forget. At a, Roasted Games yeah, right, 1. Okay, go to at okay. Roasted Games 1 on uh, Twitter or Instagram. Uh, search Roasted Games on Facebook. You'll find us. We're the dice that are on fire um that is us yep there's also a small weird like independent video game company called roasted games who oh really released like one weird small tiny game on steam we get emails for them sometimes like (laughs) we really like your game such and such i'm like that's not our game (laughs) (laughs) but thank you super not our game but thanks uh yeah so um yeah, and that's uh, and then if you wanted to email us, you can always email us at Roasted Games Co. It's Roasted Games Co. Uh, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. Any thoughts or any suggestions as we get the podcast started back up? We're we have a lot to talk about, but we're always love to hear what you guys think or what you guys suggest, and um, just uh, yeah, engage with you guys. So let us know anything uh, that's on your mind. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you all on the next episode. Bye.